welcome to another episode of the Trinity Episcopal Pocatello podcast. Peace be with you. With discretion, a priest has the option of lending the pulpit to a parishioner. This is how our episode's homilist, Trent Clegg, was asked by Reverend Haiti to put his role as choir director on pause to deliver the sermon for this year's Good Friday service. Based on our reading from John 18, here is Hope in Darkness. Good evening. In the early days of the pandemic, before the stay-at-home order and the mask mandate, I went to Albertsons, spurred by news of shortages and empty shelves, to stock up on a few durable food items. The mood in the crowded store was stricken and solemn. Most people's faces were grim, and their eyes were haunted by uncertainty and fear. Shelves were emptying quickly. Toilet paper and sanitizing wipes were gone. I was briefly relieved when I ran into Father Don and Reverend Diane, the warmth of our relationship as members of Trinity providing a moment of comfort in an otherwise surreal and unsettling experience. Shortly after, the stay-at-home order went into effect. Chris, Chewy, and I joined everyone else in hunkering down, hoping to be spared contracting this virus that was tearing through China, Italy, New York, and all too soon the rest of the world. Reports of overwhelmed hospitals and alarming death rates, as well as empty streets and skies, showed a world that had turned upside down. It was eerie, like the quiet moment in a zombie movie before the running, hiding, and fighting start. I imagine this isolation and anxious uncertainty is something akin to what the followers of Jesus experienced as their teacher, their master, the one they had accepted as their promised Messiah, was publicly and brutally killed by the very people he was supposed to save them from. What would happen now? Would they also be hunted and killed? What did this mean for all the things Jesus had said? Did his seeming defeat at the hands of the Romans mean he'd been wrong about the coming kingdom? If so... What else had he been wrong about? This crisis of faith is what some have called the dark night of the soul. I've had a few of those. I'll bet you have too. In moments like these, everything we thought we knew is cast into doubt. Where do we go? What do we do? Is there anything that's still true? It's also in moments like these that despair can take root like a noxious weed in the disturbed soil of our souls. Mixed with grief, this insidious darkness that clouds our minds and obscures our sight packs a punch that can send us spiraling into choices disastrous for us and those around us. What does that sound like? We heard an example just a few moments ago in the reading from the Wisdom of Solomon. The author of that text quotes people who have rejected the kindly spirit of wisdom, calling them ungodly. 
quote, Let us lie and wait for the righteous man. It doesn't sound like they're going to surprise him with a big check from Publishers Clearinghouse, does it? What kind of philosophy have they in their despair bought into that would lead them to do something like this? Beginning in chapter 1, verse 16, the author explains, But the ungodly, by their words and deeds, summoned death. Considering him a friend, they pined away and made a covenant with him. For they reasoned unsoundly, saying to themselves, Short and sorrowful is our life, and there is no remedy when a life comes to its end. For we were born by mere chance, and hereafter we shall be as though we had never been. For the breath in our nostrils is smoke, and reason is a spark kindled by the beating of our hearts. When it is extinguished, the body will turn to ashes, and the spirit will dissolve like empty air. Come, therefore, let us enjoy the good things that exist and make use of the creation to the full as in youth. Let us take our fill of costly wine and perfumes. Let us crown ourselves with rosebuds before they wither. Let none of us fail to share in our revelry. Everywhere let us leave signs of our enjoyment, because this is our portion and this is our lot. Let us oppress the righteous poor man. Let us not spare the widow or regard the gray hairs of the aged, but let our might be our law of right, for what is weak proves itself to be useless. You heard the rest. When I first read this passage, I was stunned by the enduring nature of these pernicious thoughts. The line, everywhere let us leave signs of our enjoyment, made me think of a mountain campground after a particularly riotous kegger, or worse, Native American pictographs defaced by graffiti. We see every day what kind of a world these cynical, short-sighted, hopeless attitudes make. The people of Ukraine are currently taking a particularly brutal dose of actions these philosophies inspire. For someone who has given up hope for anything better, Taking what you can while you can easily sounds right and reasonable and is clearly how many in this world live. But that's not why you and I are here right now. We are here because in spite of the bleakness of the world, we do hope for something better. We've all been drawn here by a light that attracted us, a light that fed our hope. Even if we're currently in a period of doubt, our presence here means that hope is still alive in us. And that hope is encouraged in us as together in our common prayers, we express hope for a world ruled by wisdom, connection, and compassion, integrity, and fairness. But there's more. We're here because together we hope, as Paul encouraged the Hebrews, to approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in in time of need, to help as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Every week, we stand together and proclaim the words of the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Our many voices coming together as one, we affirm that we believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. 
We believe in forgiveness, resurrection, the life of the world to come. The life of the world to come. When asked if he was a king by Pilate, Jesus, after a little verbal thrust and parry, replies, My kingdom is not of this world. Pilate presses Jesus further, and Jesus tells Pilate, For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Poor Pilate, afflicted by the world weariness of someone with no hope for something better, he asks rhetorically, perhaps cynically, What is truth? He misses what Jesus is telling him. Jesus is telling him and us there is a better world, and it's not the world of brutal military legions, cutthroat political intrigue, or hordes of material wealth. We, like Pilate, often find ourselves in the darkness of the moment, whether it's Roman-occupied Jerusalem or COVID-occupied Pocatello, and it's hard to hold on to the hope that something better exists. Tested to our limits, we might be tempted to throw compassion out of our hearts and join the ravenous pack, clawing and biting its way to an imagined top of the hill from which, should we reach it, we're just as likely to be pulled down. But we must always choose hope, because here is something miraculous. Our hope in Christ for a better world to come opens the door for us to join in that world right now. Our hope in Christ leads us to treat those around us with love and compassion, with fairness and integrity. With our hope in Christ, we create moments in which his kingdom bursts forth from the darkness of this world and brings life where once there was only despair and death. It's those moments we live for and hope for when the circumstances of this life have inevitably, if temporarily, surrounded us with darkness again. My time this evening is short, but I hope you'll permit me one last personal story. It's no secret I love musical theater. For so many reasons, musical theater is one of the most powerful ways I connect to the best version of myself. When I was in my very early teens, my family rented the filmed version of Man of La Mancha. Set in Spain during the Inquisition, the show depicts Miguel de Cervantes, author of the great Spanish novel Don Quixote, as he's thrown in prison for heresy and awaits trial. It rocked my world for reasons I couldn't fathom at the time. Those reasons became clearer and clearer when, in 1996 and then again in 2004, I was blessed to take part in the stage version of the show, and it took on greater meaning through the lenses of my more experienced eyes. There's a quiet but extremely powerful moment near the end of the show when, after Don Quixote's death, Aldonza gently directs Sancho to call her Dulcinea. It's the name given her by Quixote at their first meeting, when he proclaimed her the lady whose honor he served. 
It's also the name with which she was mocked and taunted by the muleteers before they brutally rape her. What makes that moment between two disciples of a mad night so powerful? In claiming the identity Dulcinea, this woefully used and abused human claims the better world Quixote has shown her, making it her own. In the audacity of that one act of hope, she leaves the darkness that bound her for a new world created by belief in her own worth and shared in her newly gentle treatment of those around her. She is no longer defined by her past. That moment has stayed with me and feels especially keen in this moment as I publicly reclaim my voice from over 20 years of ecclesiastically imposed and self-perpetuated silence. It's been a difficult and often dark time, but the tale of Don Quixote, his creator, and the lives touched through that creation has been something that encouraged me to keep believing in another tale, a true tale passed down to us through more than 2,000 years from those who actually lived it. I am deeply grateful to stand before you this evening and proclaim in the words of a hymn I love, I believe in Christ. In this life, we inevitably pass through darkness, darkness that challenges who we think we are and what we think we know. But darkness isn't where we have to remain. In company with many others who have come into the world to testify to the truth, Jesus has shown us the way out of darkness. As Paul says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love, creating the kingdom wherever we are. On this Good Friday, as we huddle with the disciples in the darkness at the foot of the cross, that we also find there the light of hope is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. are grateful you've listened today, and we hope you found something helpful in today's episode. Our mission is to weave God's unfinished tapestry, and by listening, you are a part of that mission. So thank you. If you would like to know more about our parish or the Episcopal Church, you can find us online at www.trinitypocatello.org. Thanks be to God. Thank you.